welcome to AI Chats, a podcast series produced by the lawyers at Hanks and Boone in the AI and deep learning industry team. We're going to explore the exciting, ever-evolving, and occasionally controversial world of artificial intelligence. I'm Hong Shi, an associate from the Austin office. I'm joined by my AI and deep learning practice group colleagues Stephanie Svensky and Jason Bloom. Both are partners from our Dallas office. We have now become increasingly comfortable with the idea that AI can be used to produce non-creative outputs, such as data processing and analytics. However, there are more and more examples that demonstrate the creative capabilities of AI. We're seeing that AI are now capable of producing innovative artistic and other works like paintings, poems, news articles, and even musicals. Had these works been created by humans, they would be eligible for copyright protection. In our episode today, we're going to talk about AI-generated creative works and their implications for copyright law. But before we begin, our standard disclaimer: This podcast is for informational purposes only. Is not intended to be legal advice and does not establish an attorney-client relationship. The topics we discuss are subject to change. Legal advice of any nature should be sought from your legal counsel. So, Jason, let me first turn to you. What types of works can AI create? Well, thank you for having us, uh, Hong. I think this is a really important emerging topic. And and first, I think it's important to define what what AI is for purposes of of copyright and and today's discussion. So, you know, what I think of AI as when we're talking about copyright and creating uh, works that could be subject to copyright protection, uh, I'm really talking about when a machine um, is actually the creator. Uh, of a work without a human predetermining uh, the final output. So a human can, uh, you know, obviously code the AI, create the AI, and determine the inputs, but the machine or the AI process is going to uh, play the significant role in determining the output. Uh, and, and that's important because under existing AI uh, that cr- can create copyrighted works, uh, humans are still you know, responsible and required to uh, choose inputs and make choices in that regard. Um, and I, I think it's important that AI not be confused with typical machine-aided creation, which is something that humans have been using for uh, a fairly significant amount of time. Um, so that includes when you, you know, take a picture with a digital camera, you uh, record a song in a music studio, you use synthesizers, things like that, that's all, or you use a word processing program, that's all machine-aided human creation. Um, But the human is actually dictating what the output is. AI, I I envision as being a little bit different where the AI determines what the output is. Um, As far as what types of works can be created by AI, I mean, it's it's really virtually limitless at this point. Um, You know, I, I know there are instances of AI creating software and source code uh, certainly, computer interfaces uh, can be generated and are generated by AI. I mean, even if you just think of a Google search result, 
Um, you know, that's an AI process that's producing that. Uh, news articles are now uh, being written by AI in some cases. Uh, artistic works are being created by AI, and that can include things like paintings and graphic works and uh, even written works. Uh, and then, of course, motion pictures and photographs um, have long been created with automated processes that I think could be equated to AI. And then there's there, there are now programs where you can even use AI to create uh, music. So, you know, again, the examples are, are limitless. And I think the amount of content that AI uh, can create will only increase in coming years. Thanks, Jason, for the helpful clarification between AI and the more simple machine-aided creation. Uh, Stephanie, do you have any specific interesting examples of such AI-created works? Thanks, Hong. Glad to be here with you and Jason today. I have three examples that I think will help our listeners really understand where we're at today in terms of AI-creating works. So the first is something called Project Rembrandt. Uh, AI trainers fed AI input from all of the known Rembrandt paintings and asked the AI to create using 3D, uh, 3D printing technology to create its own version of a Rembrandt painting. So basically a painting in the style of Rembrandt. And this is a three-dimensional uh, painting. So it's got the texture like Rembrandt would have used in terms of the thickness of paint. And the AI input included things like the subject of the portraits, whether they were facing left or right, whether they were male or female, what kind of clothing they were wearing, and let the AI generate a painting. And obviously, you know, painting is something that is sort of core copyrightable material, usually. Um, a second example is a tool called Boomi. And Boomi allows users to select input inputs to a creative AI that then generates fully produced songs. So the user will choose which category of music they want, for example, maybe some inputs about how quickly they want the tempo of the music, et cetera. And then Boomi creates a fully produced song. Uh, Boomi itself claims that its users have created 1.6 million songs, which it estimates is more than 1% of the world's recorded music. And it uh, stretches over many, many genres. And it offers its users the ability to purchase the songs um, that you make with the AI, and then you can make money from them when they're streamed on streaming platforms like Spotify. And some of them sound very much machine generated <laughs> and others sound more like something you might hear on the radio. Um, and then the third example is the one that may be potentially most interesting to our uh, business clients. And it's the language generating AI called GPT-3. It's created by a group called OpenAI. And it allows um, users to train the AI on a variety of different things that are uh, related to language generation. So, for example, people have used GPT-3 to create short stories, to create press releases. And then they've now used GPT-3 to create code. So, for example, an HTML code for web page layouts. So you could, um, a human could select natural language inputs to the AI, and then the AI would then turn that into HTML code for generating a website. So those are some three various examples of how AI is actually uh, making creative works, both the creative works you typically think of with respect to copyright, like uh, paintings and music, but then also something like software, which is obviously copyrightable as well. 
Thanks, Stephanie. It is so exciting to hear about all these great examples. AI is becoming so powerful and can do so many things. Um, Jason, let me turn it to you again. Are there any limitations that AI have as a creator or author? Hong, I think currently the, the major limitation that AI has is that it still, at least the mainstream AI that, that Stephanie was referencing and, and most of what is, is currently out there with, with present technology requires an element of human input on the front end. So uh, generally the human is going to be selecting uh, what works or data to plug into the AI um, that will ultimately result in the AI generating uh, a finalized work of its own. Um, now, it's not it's not too hard to conceive that uh, in the not too distant future, AI could be programmed to uh, select its own data. I mean, with with something like the internet, where you could send AI much like a web crawler out to uh, select data, humans would probably still need to pre-select the criteria for selecting that data. But, you know, it could also be programmed to, you know, select data at random. Now, what what comes out as a result of that probably isn't going to be anything terribly desirable. But, um, you know, it's not inconceivable that AI could could be programmed to select its, its own data inputs. But presently, the major limitation I see is that AI uh, still requires uh, human input on the front end. And then on the back end, I think, you know, most AI, which is still, you know, it's early in its early phases, uh, requires some human review and editing on the back end. You know, as an example, a press release or a news article um, could be pretty efficiently generated in some circumstances uh, with, with human inputs, uh, but you're still going to want a human to you know, read it and, and humanize it on the back end and correct errors and, and things like that. Such works created by AI with or without human involvement, either on the front end or back end, raise many interesting legal questions in copyright law. Jason, uh, could you first help us to understand uh, what does the Copyright Act say about AI? Yeah, the answer is really nothing. The The current Copyright Act was enacted in 1976, um, you know, long before AI and really before even personal computers. And there have been no revisions to the Copyright Act to address AI. Um, there have been some updates to the Copyright Act to, to address some other evolving technologies, but AI has not yet been one of them, and in part, it would be premature to update the act to address AI right now, since we still don't really know the full capabilities of what AI can do. So uh, I think it's not yet time to update the Copyright Act to address AI, but that that time will come at some point. Uh, but the Copyright Office and courts have been good about interpreting the 1976 Act to uh, apply to emerging technologies over the years. I mean, just think about all of the new technologies that have emerged since 1976, and, and courts and the Copyright Office have been pretty good about applying the current uh, language of the Act to those technologies. Uh, the Copyright Office has uh, made clear that to be copyrightable, uh, and this is in direct response to the emergence of AI, uh, a work must have a human author. Now, what that 
means and what level of human authorship is required is a different question entirely that will be obviously subject to future debate. Um, because, you know, obviously AI is created by humans and humans currently, you know, give the inputs and select the inputs, but what level of human involvement will be required um, for it to be copyrightable is going to be something that's going to have to be uh, litigated in the future, I think, even even under a new new copyright act that may address AI. Thanks, Jason. Uh, Stephanie, do you have any additional insights into the question of whether AI-generated works are ever copyrightable? As Jason alluded to, there is guidance from the Copyright Office about whether AI-assisted works may be copyrightable. And the guidance from the Copyright Office draws a distinction between when the work is basically one of human authorship with the computer or other device assisting, or whether the traditional elements of authorship in the work, so the actual creative process, were actually conceived and executed not by man, but by a machine. And that's quotes from the guidance from the Copyright Office on this issue. So the, the short answer is, if there is sufficient human input, then the work could be copyrightable. And as Jason alluded to earlier in the podcast, we've had this issue for a while. So there's a, an older case that deals with whether using a camera to take a picture precludes copyright protection. And the court found, no, that the photographer still needs to set up the camera and adjust the lighting and adjust the frame to get the desired photograph. A contrasting case, there was a, a case where a photographer set up a camera in a jungle and enticed a monkey to take a selfie with the camera. And there was a question in front of the copyright office and then in a different slightly procedural context in front of the district court about whether that photograph, which was essentially a monkey selfie, could be entitled to copyright protection. And the answer in that case was no, because setting up the camera wasn't sufficient human involvement in the creation of the photograph. Another example that might give us an insight into where the line is between what is sufficient human interaction and what's not is a book that's a collection of what the authors claim is messages from alien spirit beings. And the court found that that collection of messages was sufficiently uh, contributed to by humans because humans were the ones, even if you buy the premise that these messages were from alien spirit beings, humans were the ones that transcribed the messages, cataloged them, and then chose the order and which of the transcriptions to include in the book. So again, we don't have specific examples yet that involve AI, but we do have examples of instances where the court analyzed whether something that was non-human that contributed uh, was actually the author of the work or whether it was just assisting. And, and that same framework, I think, is going to apply going forward. So if there is sufficient human input, then I think courts will find that an AI-generated or partially AI-generated work is copyrightable. Thanks, Stephanie. Those are very helpful examples on how the court defines what is sufficient human interaction. Jason, do you have um, any other examples or factors that may tip the scales in favor of or against copyrightability? Well, what I would say is the more human involvement and human choices on the front end and even on the back end, the more likely the work is going to be to get copyright protection. 
Um, and it's also important that to the extent inputs are used, which, you know, again, is, is the primary way that we're, we're generating works through AI presently, it's helpful that those inputs are themselves creative works. And it's even better if those creative works were created by the person who's going to claim authorship and whatever the AI is ultimately generating. Um, if, as with the Rembrandt project that Stephanie mentioned, you're just using someone else's works to program AI to generate a work, your claim of originality and authorship is going to be um, you know, a little, probably viewed with a little bit more suspicion. But if you're using your own works and having AI generate a work on the end, your claim of originality and authorship is going to be more credible. Um, the end work must also be original and, and minimally creative. And the bar is not terribly high, at least with respect to human-generated works. It, it could be raised potentially, I guess, with AI-generated works in the view of a, a copyright examiner. But, you know, by way of example, uh, you know, parking garage surveillance videos probably, even though that that isn't, you know, arguably a, a form of AI to the extent that a, a video is triggered by some sort of movement and it, you know, it's pre-programmed to record and create, uh, you know, video output. Um, that's arguably a form of AI, but it doesn't really um, meet the the level of creativity and authorship that would be uh, required. Um, you know, it's also important that the end work is not simply as I mentioned, derivative of somebody else's works, especially to the extent that those works are still entitled to copyright protection. Um, going back to Project Rembrandt, uh, you know, the, obviously Rembrandt's works have, have long been in the public domain, so you have a little bit more leeway to use those uh, as inputs to AI without getting yourself necessarily into copyright trouble. Now, whether the end product is going to be original is a different question, but you're going to have a lot more trouble claiming uh, originality if, if what you're inputting is currently owned by, by somebody else. Um, and, they can, and that can actually, as we'll talk about, generate copyright liability for you um, for creating an unauthorized derivative work. So after determining whether AI-generated works are copyrightable, there is yet another important question copyright ownership. Stephanie, if copyrightable, who should own that copyright? Well, unlike the creation context where the Copyright Office requires um, a human author to be the creator or a human to be the author, in the ownership context, we don't quite have that rule. So for example, you could assign your copyright to your employer. Um, Disney owns copyrights in its movies, for example. So there's no requirement that the owner be a human. We've set up a system in which these legal fictions that are not humans, but are corporate entities can own things like copyrights. But clearly our system of economics and our legal system is not set up for something like software or a computer to own something like the copyright. So it doesn't quite make sense in, this, in the society that we've set up to have AI own its own copyrights. So the ownership could vest in the humans or the companies that contributed the resources necessary for creating the work. Some possibilities are the creators of the AI itself who wrote the AI software code or 
the AI trainers. So who fed the data to the AI? Um, in the context of Boomi, the musical platform that I discussed earlier, Boomi assumes that the copyright to the music generated gets owned by Boomi, but then they are willing to sell that to the person who chose the AI inputs and created the song with the help of the AI. So th- that's an example of you know the, the people who wrote the AI code itself claiming ownership, being willing to sell it to what I would call in that context, the AI trainer, in that it's the human that, that shows the human inputs. It's also possible that some ownership could vest in the authors whose copyrighted materials were fed to the AI, but I see that as a far less likely possibility. Though I know the Copyright Office recently asked for input about the future of AI with respect to intellectual property. And some authors wrote into the Copyright Office providing guidance that they think if their data is used to train the AI, um, so for example, obviously Rembrandt's no longer alive, but if he were and Rembrandt's works were fed to AI, um, the question is whether Rembrandt would have some authorship in the resulting painting that was derived from his work. And there is some group of authors and creators who are advocating for that position. Thanks, uh, Stephanie. So Jason, uh, what are some general policy considerations regarding the whether AI work can have copyright or the ownership of such um, AI-generated works? Could you um, help us to understand some of the policy considerations? Like anything in copyright law uh, and intellectual property law, generally, it, it's a balancing act. And you have to balance the competing needs to incentivize creators to create by giving them a limited monopoly and, and the ability to financially benefit from their works with the alternative needs of society to have unfettered access to those creations to be able to build off of them and, and use them and make derivative works. Uh, with AI, I think it's important not to simply have a knee-jerk reaction uh, you know, to reject copyright protection simply because a machine was was significantly involved in the creation. Um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, we use machines to create things all the time. And, you know, I, I think our reliance upon machines in the creative process is, is growing all the time. Um, and I think there's there's potentially a lot to be gained, especially in terms of efficiency from AI generated works. Uh, and you don't want to disincentivize such creation by forcing all such works automatically into the public domain. I mean, you do want to incentivize uh, people to create uh, different forms of AI um, that can be used for different purposes and for people to actually use that AI to uh, efficiently create works. So it, it is a balancing act. At the same time, you don't want to give people uh, or companies exclusive rights and works that they played you know, absolutely no role in creating uh, where they had no creative input or involvement whatsoever. Um, so it creates a lot of really complex issues, but ultimately I think the biggest policy challenges will surround who all owns AI content. As Stephanie mentioned, uh, you have a lot of different folks involved in the creation of AI works. You have the, the people who select the inputs, the people who came up with the idea to, you know, generate a certain output uh, based on the inputs. You've got the person who coded the AI, uh, you know, created the, the, software that's involved in generating the outputs. Uh, and then you've got 
potentially a person who reviews and edits the output before um, it becomes a finalized work uh, and possibly others along the way. So, you know, one thing that's unique about AI and, and you see it in other areas as well, such as, you know, creation of, of certain types of software, but you can have a lot of different authors who contribute to the uh, end work. Thanks, Stephanie and Jason, for that helpful discussion on AI and its impact on copyright law. And as always, thanks to our listeners for joining us. You can find episodes of our AI chats on various major podcast platforms, such as Apple, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Our podcasts and relevant articles about AI topics are also located on Haynes and Boone's AI and deep learning industry team landing page, which can be found at haynesboone.com forward slash experience forward slash industries forward slash AI hyphen and hyphen deep hyphen learning. Our practice page also contains our contact information. Please feel free to reach out to any of us if you'd like to suggest topics for future AI Chats episodes. Take care all.